five, four, three, two, one. Bazinga. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Now Showing podcast. Welcome to this New Year's special. We're over a week into New Year, but this is the first episode of 2021, and I'm joined, as always, by my plucky assistant, John Lee McDonald. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. First episode of the New Year, but the second episode, where I have absolutely no idea uh, what is going on. I am once again inserting a Bernie Sanders meme. I am once again going into an episode blind. Yes, and I, of course, am your wonderful host, Sam Houston. And yet, as he says, I've left jail in the dark about what this episode is, but we'll be embracing a year that has been perhaps, you know, a little turbulent at times. And we're looking back um, through a, a now showing eye. And I'll kind of get in details into exactly what we're doing about that later. I'm sure everybody will be able to tell themselves through the title of the video, uh, the, the podcast, my apologies. Um, but before we get into that, let's uh, quickly start off by just talking about what we've watched this week. So um, I'll start I'll start off with you, Jail. Um, let's not waste too much time on this, but how, what, what have you watched uh, since we last recorded? Okay, uh, so I've watched a few things. Uh, a few things which will be reserved for later episodes, uh, but just a couple of things I want to talk about. Um, so I watched the first watch of 2021. Uh, first film that I watched was an Amazon comedy special uh, called Yearly Departed. Uh, so kind nice. of in a similar vein to uh, Death to 2020, which we reviewed in the last episode. Um, kind of looking back over 2020 um, in a comedic way. And uh, I feel like Amazon did this better overall uh, than the, the Netflix Brooker installment. Uh, this one featured, I believe, eight, uh, oh, wait, no, seven, seven, um, seven female comedians and basically having sort of each of them having a eulogy for 2020, things that we lost. So there's ranging from, you know, the beige band-aids and uh, there's a bunch of other things. Pants was one of them. <laughs> uh, just, just sort of yeah. a more comedic look, but also very, it was a, yeah, very funny, um, very nicely shot for a, for a comedy special. And uh, what I will say is I'm very impressed by the VFX because I was under the impression this was filmed in, uh, you know, social distancing and, and safety measures in, you know, in, in place and so on. Turns out, nope, it was all done in post VFX. All the actors were separately filmed um, in the in the in the room and then digitally spliced together in very convincing fashion only by the credits when it shows the VFX was I. Um, you know, shown the the mastery that was done behind the scenes to to make it look so uh, so good. So yeah, that was if you didn't like Death to 2020 and you want a bit more of a comedic look, mm-hmm. where yeah, that was that's definitely one to check out. Um, some com- some comedians in there that I did know, such as Sarah Silverman, but a, com- a couple of us that, that I didn't know about, and uh, very funny as well in in, in part. So yeah, would definitely recommend that. And yeah, I also watched Baby about- Teeth. Oh yes, yes, that's ex- yeah. We need to talk about that. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Obviously, what, what I've talked. Something? I've talked so much. Yeah, I was, was going to say about Death Twenty Twenty. This morning, but I've talked so much um, since the episode we did uh, Return of Cinema, where I talked about Baby Teeth. Uh, you know, I think since then I've now decided that it's probably in my top four favorite films. It's one of my favorite films I've ever seen, and so I was super excited when it got released on Netflix uh, at the end of last month um, to, to see what you thought about it. Yeah, definitely very um, emotional. But mm-hmm. also a very funny film. 
and I can mm-hmm. I can definitely see why you why you admire it so highly. Um, I maybe I didn't have the exact same, you know, super super um, sort of response to it as, as you did. But I guess as you mentioned in the previous in the episode where we talked about, maybe it's got a bit more of a personal resonance for you. But mm. in terms of actual, just as a piece of cinema, I think it was fantastic. I thought. Yeah. Although I didn't nominate the performance of uh, Lisa Scanlon for in the in the whiskies, um, <laughs> which you know, as much to your disapproval, I yeah. uh, still thought it was a very very sound and you know expert. The uh, you know performed um, you know expertly done performance and yeah, you know just the entire cast I thought was was great. Um, yeah, so they yeah. they did the uh, Australian uh, the actors the Australian critics something something awards um a few weeks ago and you know there's a fair few films in there uh, and there's a great couple, quite a lot of great actors nominated and actresses um and baby teeth won best director baby teeth won best casting best screenplay best picture over the likes of the invisible man um and it won best actor best actress best supporting actor and best supporting actress beating out the likes of uh, Elizabeth Moss, Sam Neill, Russell Crowe, uh, Lupita and Yongo. Um, so that was uh, <laughs> obviously in Australia. Uh, the film's from, um, you know, it's, it's an award for Australian films. But yeah, it did quite well there. Yeah, no, I can, I can definitely see why it did so well. And I mean, even the cinematography. Um, mm-hmm. I thought the the block, like the blocking and the f- sort of the framing of stuff, some of the scenes was really impressive. Mm-hmm, it had a really like unique sort of visual approach to some scenes, which I thought was really interesting. Um, yeah. And then the final film I watched this week, uh, another 2020 film, um, uh, Amazon Prime. Um, I think it was a Prime original uh, called Dating Amber. Um, so another Irish indie film. Obviously, we reviewed Pi- oh, I reviewed Pixie on a earlier episode. Um, another sort of teen comedy slash drama film uh, with Irish um, representation and Irish sort of actors and so on. And uh, yeah, it was a really sort of fun, heartwarming and emotional film um, about nice. two gay teenagers who have to pretend to date each other so they can remain closeted in a time <laughs> of sort of social and political dilemma almost around uh, the rights and the sort of, you so one of, of the LBT community, LBT, LGBTQ community. Um, so yeah, it was a really, a really fun film and with some really emotional sort of moments in it as well. Another nice. 20 film. Yeah. Nice. For me, a bit mainly rewatches. Uh the first film I watched in twenty twenty uh twenty twenty one, sorry. Um was a film we've already talked about on the podcast today, was was Baby Tweet. I rewatched it on Netflix, thought will it live up to the expectations I set myself? Is it really not as good as I thought it was the first time? Turns out I love it just as much, if not more. Uh other than that I watched On the Rocks, which is the Amazon Plus um uh, original um Amazon Plus exclusive film, uh Bill Murray in Apple, with, Huh? Apple, you mean? What did I say? Amazon. <laughs> oh, sorry, Apple. Uh, <laughs> Rashida Jones, Bill Murray. Yeah, it was, um, you know, I can see why Bill Murray has been talked about so much for supporting actor. I thought he was excellent in this, and, and so was she. Uh, but yeah, it was kind of middle of the range uh, comedy that was, he was quite funny at points, uh, but, you know, it wasn't exactly uh, groundbreaking. I watched Sound of Metal, which we'll, I'm not going to go into too much detail on because we're going to review that later on, but you've already talked about how much, or how you liked it and how you didn't think it stacked up with Riz Ahmed's performance in Mogul Mowgli. Yeah, it was still pretty impressive. Um, yeah, I feel very strongly about how good Riz Ahmed was in that. But again, we'll review that later day. When it comes to rewatches as well, I rewatched Spider-Man Homecoming yesterday um, because I didn't really watch it the first time. I watched it for an hour showing that never got released. Um, but yeah, it's a pretty good film. And today 
I rewatched Parasite just before we came on air, and obviously it's still one of the best films I've ever seen. Excellent, excellent, excellent picture. And I hope to watch some more Bong Joon-ho films in the near future. So, before we move on to the main uh, subject for today, uh, you told me, you had some news you wanted to say that you haven't told me what is. Yeah, so this isn't like news news. I've only seen it covered by two or three like outlets and none of them are mm. particularly big. Um, but I just thought it was worth mentioning because it's kind of an interesting discussion point anyway, just because I know you like the, the thing it's about. Uh, and this is about the uh, upcoming re potential recasting slash regeneration of the Doctor in Doctor Who. Oh, really? I just thought you were going to say Michael Keaton. Yeah, okay. So Michael yes. Keaton, what, what's that about? Because Michael Keaton's apparently going to be the main Batman again. Um, what? But, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that's true or not. I just that's what I was saying. I read. Oh no, it's not that. But um, yes. So I watched the Doctor Who special in the years, and obviously I'm a massive Doctor Who fan, um, and I've made that very clear on the podcast before. See the there's on this episode for my full discussion of Doctor Who. Um, but yeah, I. I love Jodie's Doctor. I don't particularly love a lot of the writing. Uh, I think there's been some really good episodes. Um, Rosa, you know, Fugitive of the Jadoon. Some really, really high quality episodes. But there's also been some proper stinkers in there. Um, so if she did leave now, I'd feel almost sad that I never got to see her at her full potential. But in reality, I don't think she is going to leave. I think this is something that's been uh, brought out of nowhere. Maybe I'll be proven wrong. She'll come out and say, this is my last series. But I think it's more wishful thinking from people that perhaps don't like her. I don't actually think she's going to leave. So, but yeah, I'm not so sure. Because she did say okay, something well, early in the year that she, she loved playing the Doctor. We'll have to see. But. Well, yeah, so the, the, well, basically what I've been reading is that the general consensus at the moment is that she will leave this year. But the thing I wanted to talk to you about in more detail was oh, okay. the one of the potential castings that I saw Oh, okay. So obviously, there's always been like the is Albert Idris Elba going to be Bond or Doctor Who, and like that's that's not what <laughs> yeah. I talked about them. Um, the one that I saw on a so this is wegotthiscovered.com, which obviously is not necessarily the most reputable mm-hmm. source. Mm-hmm. However, they are saying that Daniel Kaluuya is the reported leaving. I've not eye. heard that. Okay, I don't think Doctor Who has the draw to bring in a, uh, an actor like Daniel Kaluuya for three, four years. Um, you know, you're looking at, you know. This was the first big break for David Tennant, who was fairly unknown. Matt Smith was completely unknown. Mm-hmm. Peter Capaldi was towards the end of his career, where you know he loved Doctor Who from a kid, from a point of view as a kid. Jodie Whittaker was a TV actress. Um, I don't think they had the pull for Kaluuya. There always seems to be things like Rupert Grint uh, come along and, and things like that, you know. But do I really think that they'll have Kaluuya? They'll be able to pull Kaluuya in? Probably not. However, I think it would be absolutely excellent if possible. He's just an, a world-class actor, and we will yeah, talk about him not. further on the podcast. I hope not, because in terms of like his acting, obviously he's still got Juice and the Black Messiah that's due out in February. Um, but obviously he's been in a bunch of really sort of good performances in Get Out and Queen Slim, which you sort of have, have talked about on the podcast. Yeah, um, yeah I thought it was really Widows good. Widows and so on. So, you know, is, as a film actor, I think he's right up there with some of the best. And, you know, he's still very young, so... Hopefully he's not drawn back to not drawn into TV. Obviously he did Black Mirror as well, um, but that was at the very beginning of his career. So hopefully he's not drawn back to that. Because as much as I'd like to see him in that role, because I think he'd probably do very well and very very much liked. I think also, um, you know, I'd, I'd like to see him continue doing his best work on on the silver screen rather yeah, than the uh, TV screen. Yeah, as I say, as a Master Doctor Who fan, I I you know I'd happily make that sacrifice to have him in Doctor Who, but I don't think it's going to happen. So. 
2020, eh, JL? It was, uh, yeah, let's be honest, it was it was a pretty shit year for most people. Pretty disappointing year uh, going into it. Um, and, you know, not much great happened. And there were some some struggles uh, in our world. Of course, they are not as important as, as the, you know, real life health struggles and such. But there was problems uh, in the cinema world uh, and, and films coming out. But we also maybe got to see some films that we wouldn't have otherwise. And one great thing for us personally that came out of 2020 was the revival of the Now Showing podcast. Of course, um, we love doing it. And I can't speak for you, but I love doing it. Um, and you know, be able to to go in and, and watch these films every week, um, make for having a reason to watch these films is always great. So, I was thinking about you know we, we've talked about doing a twenty twenty retrospective, and we're probably going to wait for for Oscar time to do that. But I, I I've had this kind of prepared actually. I, I started writing this out. I think this the and my initial thoughts for this. I think the day before we recorded the Enola Holmes episode. So this has kind of been in the works for that long. Um, but I, I thought JL that. Um, we would do because it's six months in now. End of the end of the year. Uh, end of end, end of twenty twenty. Uh, we made nearly twenty five episodes. I think next episode will be twenty fifth episode. Uh, we are going to do a now showing awards. So this is not just twenty twenty. This is all the films that we have reviewed on the podcast. That includes okay. old films. That includes new films. So that's ev- so I'd have declined us reviewing things as anything that got into the title or description of. Uh, of, of the podcast so for the okay. films that is Blade Runner Blade Runner 2049 Goodfellas Get Out The Shining The Woman in Black Whiplash The Old Guard Saving Private Ryan Radioactive Psycho 12 Angry Men Unhinged Project Power The Hunt Proxima An American Pickle Baby Teeth Tenet I'm Thinking of Any Things The Devil All the Time Bill and Ted Face the Music Schemers Enola Holmes Saint Maud Kajillionaire Trial of Chicago 7 Pixie Rebecca Borat 2 His House Nightmare on Elm Street Uncle Frank Hillbilly Elegy Citizen Kane, Mank, Rose Island, The Prom, Wonder Woman 1984, Ma Rainey, Soul, and Death to 2020. That also includes um, things like Burroughs, um, which we're not really going to talk about, uh, or um, Haunting of Bly Manor, or The, the Walking Dead, shorts. The Walking Dead, The World Beyond, mm-hmm. um, uh, If Anything Happens, I Love You. So those are the films that things. So I've come up with uh, so the situation has been I've come up with nominations um, tried to stick to five for most sometimes I went a bit under sometimes I went a bit over but I tried to stick to five for most except for best picture where I've got ten much like the Oscars um, so I'm, okay. I've gone through and I've got the nominations and I'm laying it up to you to decide the winners um, for Ooh. some things especially the, the bigger ones I might give my thoughts on what I thought would win but the official winner will go down as the one that you pick Okay. Um, there are a couple categories. There's one cat, two categories where I'm picking the winner. That's for specific reasons. But um, yes, so I've come up with. A, I'm not going to tell you. I'm going to tell them as I come to. But I've come up with a variety of uh, categories. Uh, they probably get more and more traditional and, and serious as I go on. Um, okay. So I've got a few bit more. So starting off on a negative note, shall we? Um, and 2020 was a disappointment for almost everybody. So we're talking about the biggest disappointments on the podcast. Now, all of these okay. did come out in, in 2020. So this is a 2020 thing. Um, I'm not talking about what's the worst. That's, that's important. We're not talking about the worst. We're talking about the biggest disappointment when you're talking about the expectations you had yeah. going into it and what came out of it. Of course, okay. you haven't seen one of these films, so it, it, it won't win. But the rest of them, obviously, you've seen. So okay. 
the nominations for biggest disappointment are. Can I just say before you give the nominations? Actually, this is a really I like. I really like this. This is really good. I like it. Thanks, man. I've been working this for a while. Great idea. Love it. Thanks. So nominations for biggest disappointment are the New Mutants, the Trial of the Chicago Seven, Hillbilly Elegy, Wonder Woman 1984, Death to 2020, and The Walking Dead: The World Beyond. So, of course, I say biggest disappointment. The Trial of Chicago 7 is an excellent film, and we expect it to win many awards, but I personally have put it in there because I had such high expectations of it. Even though it is you know, a great film, it was not the five-star best picture that I thought it was going to be. So that, that's just some clarification. But out of those, is there any that's immediately coming up? Is there any that you're kind of vying between? What's your thoughts after hearing the nominations? Or is there any particularly that you think I've admitted that I should have included? Uh, okay, I'm obviously the one I haven't seen is Wonder Woman 1984, and mm-hmm. based on, I actually haven't listened back to that part of that episode that we did, uh, just because I haven't seen it yet, but based on mm-hmm. vague things I've heard, um, talked about the film, in terms of plot points and characters and whatever, and everything about the film, I've just heard, that is one of the big letdowns, but obviously I can't choose it because I've not seen it, but I mm-hmm. agree, based on what I've heard, I agree with, with that. Mm-hmm. Um, the two that I don't necessarily agree with are um god new mutants and walking dead world beyond just because i'd heard so much bad things about them before i watched them yeah that i mean it kind I, of I can my expectations that. were lower than yeah i mean i can definitely understand that the way that i was thinking about the new mutants is more what I thought it could be and what I wanted it to mm-hmm. be. For the world beyond, uh, for me, uh, we talked about it before, the, before it came out, but that was kind of, I saw that as a new jumping on point for The Walking Dead and how I'd get yeah, back true. into it. And then I was completely let down. So, I thought it, was, it wasn't very good at all. But yeah, I can see what your problems are with, with that. So I guess if, if you're kind of crossing those out in your head, that kind of narrows it down. Trial of Chicago 7, Hillbilly Energy and Death of 2020, I guess, would be the ones that, that are kind of still going around your head. Is, is there an, so, how we, a, so how many were those six nominations you gave? Six nominations, right. Okay. I, I completely forgot you said Death of 2020. Um, mm-hmm. God, that's a tough choice between those three. Mm-hmm. I think Trial of Chicago 7 is more just it wasn't what I expected, not necessarily a disappointment. So I'm kind of going to rule that one out as well. Okay, so it's between Hillbilly Energy and Death to 2020. Yeah, I think I'm... Mm, I'm going to go Hillbilly Elegy just because I gave Death to 2020 a better score. And based okay. on what I'd heard around Oscar potential, Hillbilly Elegy was a letdown. So I'm going to go for that. Okay. So... The first award of the the night, the Biggest Disappointment Award, goes to Hillbilly Elegy. So, um, obviously, that's the first time uh, it's nominated. I believe it is nominated uh, two more times throughout this. Um, Interesting. Um, I would be inclined to agree with you. The... Between for me personally, writing those out, it was between the New Mutants and Hillbilly Elegy. Obviously, we had different expectations of the New Mutants going in, and and I think in that initial podcast, I try and pretend it's better than it is because I don't want it to be bad. Um, I have a tendency to do that, uh, but yes, I would incline agree that Hillbilly Elegy, yeah, it really was not the film that we all wanted it to be, and has gone so far for me thinking possible best picture before it to possible worst picture in my opinion uh, so i also want to clarify before we go on that i have tried to include especially if we get into the best actors and such i've tried to include slightly more out uh, out there picks to try and 
um, get everything in. So okay. I have so there's no for no film is there someone that's nominated for best actor and best supporting actor. Uh, best mm-hmm. so best actor and best actress. There's no one that's supported for, for not best supporting actress and best supporting actor from the same film. So I'm mm-hmm. just trying to kind of mix up as yeah, well yeah. for for thing. But um, so that's my mom, some people may be like, why why the fuck did you know Tom Hanks not get nominated for Saving Private Ryan, for example? Um, obviously he's excellent right. that film and maybe he's better than some of the others. But yeah, yeah. Uh, I tried to give a mix up. So. Obviously, we've got some some kind of not as important awards before we get to the big ones. So, moving on, we're going for the funniest film. So, this is okay. these are all okay. Most of them are, are kind of comedies, but I want rating on pure funniness, not on how good the film was. Yeah. Okay. So we have an American Pickle, Bill and Ted Face the Music, Cajillionaire, Borat Two, Rose Island, and Soul. Oh, I thought Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure was going to be in there. Um, we didn't review it on the podcast because it was not in the description. Ah, true, true. Okay. Um, so, just repeat them back to me again. So there was... An American Pickle, Bill and Ted yeah. Face the Music, Cajillionaire, Borat 2, or Borat, Borat subsequent movie film, Rose Island, and Soul. Oh. Just beat out twelve angry men. <laughs> um, twelve funny men. Um, yeah. Oh god, this is tough. I think for pure, if it's just pure comedy basis, I'm going to go. Oh, it's tough. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna rule out. I'm gonna rule out American Pickle. I'm gonna rule out Cajillionaire. Okay. I'm gonna rule out. Hmm. So, I, 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 for me, it's kind of between Borat, Rose Island, and what was the other one that wasn't Bill and Ted? The other one. Uh. So what was the other one? Uh. Soul. Okay, I'm gonna rule out Soul. I want to go okay. between between Borat and Bill uh, and Ted. Rose Island. Uh, yeah, definitely very yeah. different types of comedy, of course, to my funniest film. Barat, Barat was out there, cringeworthy, um, and, and kind of in your face uh, and, and overly political. Rose Island was almost kind of cutesy at times, um, was uh, hidden in real realistic you know, insults between people and friends and, and, and kind of uh, was more of a realistic style. Of course, um, Rose Island being a, a, a biopic about a kind of ridiculous situation, Borat being a, a kind of semi-documentary going around. So obviously two very different uh, answers for funniest films. Um, but but which one would you would you be inclined to go for between those two? And it's a difficult I... decision that all would be decisions, but I'm going to have to push you for an answer because we've yeah, got I'm gonna to go for I'm going to go for Borat subsequent movie film just because I feel like I feel like I don't appreciate the humour of that film as much just because, like, I go, oh, Borat 1 was so funny, but Borat 2 is still is still hilarious. So I'm okay. going to go for Borat 2. Uh, once again, I would um, be inclined to agree with you. Uh, I think, uh, I think yeah, Borat 2 was the funniest film that I saw that came out in 2020, probably full stop. Um, and, yeah, so I would be inclined to agree. So congratulations to Borat Subsequent Movie Film for winning the Funniest Film Award. Next up, we've got the LeBron Award for Best Performance in an Other Under... Uh, 
the LeBron Award <laughs> for best performance in an otherwise underwhelming movie. So obviously LeBron James, he's he's had to deal with an awful lot of stuff in Cleveland, dragging his team. And much like him, these performances have tried to drag their films okay. um, to 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 higher heights than they otherwise would have had without them. So mm-hmm. nominations are Charlize Theron for The Old Guard, Rosamund Pike for Radioactive, Russell Crowe for Unhinged. Kristen Scott Thomas for Rebecca and Glenn Close for Hillbilly Elegy. So, of course, you did not see Rebecca. Oh, so, Kristen Scott Thomas is out. I think, arguably, she would be the answer for me. So, um, that, that's that's cut out there. So, otherwise, you've got Charlize Theron, Rosamund Pike, Russell Crowe, Glenn Close. Of course, we've already given Hillbilly Elegy award tonight for for basic disappointment. So, maybe that'll factor into positively for her. Or what are you thinking? I'm thinking the one I would have chosen isn't in that list. <laughs> really? What would you have gone for? I would have gone for Meryl Streep, The Prom. Oh, of course. That would have been a, a one if I could have nominated a different thing. I had not seen The Prom, so that, that probably factored into it. But unfortunately, yeah. you cannot give awards to things that aren't nominated. So, On that basis, I'm going to be, choose, be choosing between Glenn Close for Hillbilly Elegy and... Mm-hmm. Um... Rosamund Pike for Radioactive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, she was the inspiration behind the award uh, when I was looking through Best Actress and, and, and kind of thing. I, yeah. I saw that and I thought, it's unlucky that she was in such a shit film. Um, such a boring film, as you can hear in an early episode of the podcast, I, I think that. Um, but yes, and of course, Glenn Close was one of the only people that I actually praised in Hillwood Elegy. So, yeah. That's a tough choice. And they were both in my provisional lists for the whiskeys as well. Oh, really? So the whiskeys, of course, one. being the uh, awards show yeah. for our network that we we are part of, the Immunity Driving Network, um, where we kind of had to nominate hmm. our, our best pictures and such. Get another push, oh, you can answer. Yeah, I'm gonna go with. Uh... Oh, this is so tough. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go for Rosamund Pike Okay, well done to Rosamund Pike winning for Radioactive this is the first of two nominations for Radioactive today and Mm. congratulations to Rosamund Pike (laughs) Moving on to a stacked, stacked, stacked category Best Animated Picture The nominations are Soul If Anything Happens I Love You or Burrow that's it. Wait, that's that's it. That's it. That's the Is only that animated films we did. Yep. It's the only animated films we've done. Wait um, till we get to best foreign film. <laughs> we need to do. We need to watch more animated films. Yes, we Jesus do. Christ! Yeah. I'm gonna have to go with Soul. So, well, congratulations to Soul for the first of a fair few nominations today for winning best animated picture. Moving on to the Biggest Disagreement Award. Now, this one only has four, because I could only find four, but most okay. of the time I'd be say that we're inclined to, to agree on the podcast, and, and most films you seem to go towards the same way. Um, yep. And one of these especially is... A, uh, two of these are, are really a push. Um, but for the Biggest Disagreement, so these are the films where me and you didn't see eye to eye, I've gone for Goodfellas, Cajillionaire, Nightmare on Elm Street, and Ma Rainey. So, of course... Ma Rainey is, is that's a bit weird. You liked it as well. It's because you gave it three and a half, and and you had a bit more issue of the things that I had. We 
I've had moved the same up to a four, by the way. Oh, did you? But I remember mm-hmm. on, the po- on the podcast we we had some disagreements, but uh, you felt strongly about more strongly about it than I did. Uh, for Goodfellas, of course, a film that you liked, but it definitely did not live, live up to the expectations that you thought it would have had before. Yeah. Um, whereas I have it as one of my favorite films. I rewatched it the other day, actually. I didn't mention it on the podcast, but I did do that. Um, Kajillion Air, of course, I had as one of my favorite films of the year. I talked about how I, how I felt so strongly about it being excellent. And you did not feel the same way about it. You thought it missed in some points and you thought it was funny, but not necessarily felt the romance. And, and you kind of were just confused by some of the sections. And Nightmare on Elm Street was being very obvious. You know, I, I thought it was excellent for the time and a kind of uh, quite obvious uh, showing of what horror could be uh, whereas you felt it failed to scare you and uh, and kind of missed the mark and, and definitely had not aged well so going through that um can you just talk me through your thought process and if there's any other disagreements maybe that you thought we've had that i've mentioned there's no thought process i'm gonna go straight in and just give my answer <laughs> mm-hmm. i think i know my arm street Yes, no, absolutely, definitely. Yeah, <laughs> I thought it was very good. I think I think Kajillion, Ma Rainey, and what was the other one? Goodfellas. Yeah, I all I still like those films. I think just not like, as much as I did. Just not. Whereas as Nightmare on Street, I very much liked. You did not like. Yeah, I thought that yeah. was good. So congratulations to Nightmare on Street for its only nomination and its win. So it's one for one. So congratulations to Nightmare on Street. Actually, no, there's two nominations. I was wrong. So it's first of two nominations and it won it. Congratulations. Moving on to a extremely stacked category, much like Best Animated Picture, we have Best Foreign Language Film, which includes a film you haven't seen. <laughs> Proxima, Rose Island, Pixie. What? Well, it's Irish and it counts. Foreign language? Well, you know, you can't understand them, can you? Well, well what's schemas then? <laughs> yeah, that's true, actually. <laughs> Proxima or Rose Island? You've um, seen one of them. <laughs> wow, I wonder which film is going to win this one. <laughs> I'm going to go with... Mm. Pixie. No, I'm joking. Uh, Rose Island. <laughs> Congratulations to Rose Island for its only win? Uh, first win? No. Yeah, yeah. First yeah, win. yeah, didn't win comedy, no. Yeah, first win of the evening. And it's, no, no, it's nominated down the line as well. But of course, um, that was a joke category, but... Rose Island was an excellent film, example of something we probably wouldn't watch if we didn't do the podcast, and yeah, a heartwarming story about a quite unbelievable true event. So, moving on to the scariest film. So, these are a series of horror films, um, and we're talking about pure scaredness, so not... Uh, how good you thought the film was, just how much it made you scared. So, the categories are The Shining... The Woman in Black, St. Maud, His House, Nightmare on Elm Street, or The Haunting of Blind Manor. Now, I think we can basically already say that Nightmare on Elm Street will not win this one. But, um, yeah. So, is oh, there any. No, the one I would have picked, but potentially would have considered picking, isn't even a podcast film, I just realised. Oh, really? Technically. What was that? Host. Oh, no, we did not do host on the podcast, no. Because we both watched it and talked about it, but not as an episode. Uh, mm-hmm. In which case, I think it has to be Woman in Black. Yeah, I did assume that you said that. Uh, we definitely talked at the time about how scary it was for me as a kid and, and the, the hand coming up on the window. Um, and this was a and film we did quite early. At... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is, a, this is one that we did very early on the podcast back in the uh, I've Never Seen uh, series. Um, and yeah, it's a film that I've loved, loved, loved as a child and you have described being just shitting yourself at. 
<laughs> the thing is as well is a lot of the horrors we've done um, especially looking at The Shining or St. Maud um, or even Get Out which didn't make it onto the nominations are mm-hmm. more cerebral uh, and of course are horror films but uh, certainly not in- inclined to scare as much it's more about yeah. the, the thoughts so yeah it was Really, that and, and the nightmare, that nightmare Elm Street in his house are the only ones that are really going out to scare you. Of course, you described the haunting of live animals as a romance than a horror. Uh, mm-hmm. But they make it after this. And moving on was an extremely hard uh, choice. Um, I, I really can't narrow this one down. Um, these are just films that I think have really, really good scores, but I couldn't necessarily decide all of the best scores. But this is, of course, I've just said it, the best score category. So for this, we've got Blade Runner 2049. Goodfellas, Tenet, Kajillionaire, Ma Rainey, it's Black Bottom, and Soul. Now, of course, uh, some some strange picks in there. Blade Runner 2049 got in there. The original Blade Runner didn't. Uh, they, of course, got very similar scores, and, and Blade Runner 2049's was directly inspired by Blade Runners. However, we did talk on the first podcast, and this is, of course, about the podcast itself, this award show. So um, we did talk about in the original podcast how we thought 2049's was a better version of the original, so I thought that kind of gets in over that. Uh, Goodfellas, it's got this iconic kind of that, that sound of, of Little Italy at the time, and, and, and Tenet, you know, it's big booming sounds, you know, obviously one of the best soundtracks of 2020 itself. Cugillian Air, you've described to me recently as being one of your favourite parts of the film. Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, a film all about music and uh, and the, the vibe it creates and soul another musical film we've reviewed recently that that really uh matches that with, with an excellent score so tell me what you're thinking and if there's anything that i've hideously left off that i should have gone for i'm not surprised that whiplash didn't make it in there as a, like a potential outsider yes yeah i definitely was considering whiplash or Mank, uh, maybe yeah i i wasn't particularly considering Mank. because I, I do think each one of these was stronger i guess the most controversial would have been probably goodfellas i guess but um I, yeah, I, I have I, to say, I have to say, I kind of forgotten Goodfellas score. Mm-hmm. I don't remember. I think it. I watched it recently, and it stood out to me. And that's that's one of the reasons why I put it in. Um, yeah. yeah, I think Whiplash is, is harsh not include, but I kind of felt myself being more pulled to these ones. Um, okay. But out of those ones included, is there, is there anyone that stands out to you? Um, I think if people have been following me on Twitter, you can follow me on Twitter, cheeky plug here, uh, by Jordan Luke. Um, yeah. if, if you've been following me on Twitter for the past few months, you will know that I've been a strong advocate for, for Ludwig Göransson for Tenet. And mm-hmm. I think the only thing I've seen in 2020, well, of the 2020 releases that I've seen so far, the only thing that potentially matches it on a Oscar level is Soul. Uh, but I think just about I have to go with Tenet. So you're picking that? over 2049 yeah, good fellas okay so congratulations to yeah. Tenet for winning best score Tenet is nominated down the line um, but this uh, yeah so congratulations to Tenet uh, for Lugan Vigorianson for a world class score <laughs> I would have to agree with you I think it's an excellent, excellent. I think I'd probably pick 2049 uh, if it was up to me but uh, Tenet is very, very well worth uh, well-deserving of, of the Best Score Award. And the next one is a special award, of course. Every year at the Oscars, they do uh, Lifetime Achievement Awards and such. Uh, and I'm going to be presenting uh, this one uh, very similar to that. This is the Friend of the Show Award. So the nominations are Bo, <laughs> Jürgen, Johnny Bentley, Isaac, Brandon Bitter. So have you got any thoughts? I already have a, dis- a winner for this, but have you I've any got thoughts an answer on- for this. I hope you don't say it's someone else because it's just these people. We, we should do three, two, one, and say the name, and then if he doesn't match, then something <laughs> seriously wrong. I think the winner of the the friend of the show award. Three, two, one. 
Sean oh. Connor. From Sean Connor from Steamers, everyone. Wait, hang on. That wasn't in the nominations, was it? It doesn't matter. He won it anyway. Congratulations to Sean Connor for being a, 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 the the star, the supporting actor from Schemers who uh, who came out and messaged us and said nice things about our podcast. So congratulations to Sean Connor. He's officially a friend of the show and a friend for life. Congratulations to Sean Connor <laughs> for winning our friend of the show. Award. Congrats, well, Connor. Well-deserving. Well Sean Connor, yeah. Okay, so moving on to the more serious awards, uh, we've got a few here, uh, and I couldn't, I've don't, you know, to be honest here, I could not be asked to look through and work out uh, for each of the, the two categories that you see at the Oscars. So I've just combined them both into best screenplay rather than adapted and original. So mm-hmm. we've got Martin Scorsese and Nicholas Pelleggi for Goodfellas, Jordan Peele for Get Out, Reginald Rose for Twelve Angry Men. Herman J. Mankiewicz and Olsen Wells for Citizen Kane, and Pete Doctor, Kemp Powers, and Mike Jones for Soul. Oh my god. It's a tough category. But I know what that I'd is, give it. That is so hard. <laughs> Indeed That's not is. what she said. Um, hey. oh, hang on, so, right, so Goodfellas, Get Out. 12 Angry Men, Citizen Kane, and Soul. Oh my god. It's a tough one, of course. Um, I've, I've kind of generally, uh, especially in these more important awards, tried to stack old and new films as mm-hmm. evenly as possible. Um, but for this one, it is dominated by old films, um, especially, well, not necessarily old in, in terms of year-wise, but in films that we've done in the I've Never Seen categories. So the films that we watched, uh, recommendations for one another, or films that are particularly big that we hadn't seen. So Goodfellas, I recommend it to you. Get Out, you recommend it to me. 12 Angry Men, you recommend it for you. Citizen Kane is an old film we looked at for so- uh, for, for Mank. And Soul, of course, is the only new film. So obviously it's, it's a stack category, and you could make a lot of it. I was thinking about maybe <sighs> I'm thinking of ending things. It could be in there. You know, There's, yeah. a, there's an awful lot of, of really good ones, but I think these ones where I think the dialogue and and the script and the story really stand out as pushing those films over yeah. the line and making the greats that they are. Okay, I'm torn between three. Mm-hmm. Being Get Out, uh, yep. 12 Angry Men, and Citizen Kane. Yeah, okay. And I think I'm going to have to go with... Oh, I kind of want your input on this one, but I don't, because then... Um, yeah, it's definitely an interesting one. Um, and, and, I'm going to go plan. with. Right, you, you just say what you're going to say, and then I'll decide. No, no, no. no. <laughs> okay, I was going to say screenplay is definitely a different one, especially when I'm splitting more to thing because you know, you it's, it's so much of what a film is and what you feel of a film is the story and the dialogue, and you know they obviously get plus points for different things. Get Out was funny and, and, and relatable and 12 Angry Men is impactful and angry, you know, you know, pun aside. Uh, and Citizen Kane, of course, I think as I've got a whole new appreciation for it. Um, seeing Mank, the film, which is about the creation of the screenplay. And I think, you know, it says so much in, in, in the screen, in the, the screen time. And of course, um, you know, of the ones that I didn't, you haven't narrowed down, but yeah, of course, a very, very tough category and, and all deserving of the award. But, uh, okay, yeah. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Unfortunately, just missing out by like point one percent is Citizen Kane. I'm going mm. to give the award for best screenplay to Twelve Angry Men. 
Congratulations to Reginald Rose for 12 Angry Men. He's getting this award posthumously, I'm sure. We'll get it posted to his ne uh, next of kin or his nearest living relative. Yes, I would have picked the same one, actually. From, from minute one, I thought 12 Angry Men is what it is because of the screenplay. And obviously, that not not taking away from the, the performances of Henry Fonda or the director or, or you know, the, a lot of it. But it's it's a excellent script that says so much and is so important of course that is adapted from a play um, so that would have gone on the adapted screenplay if i if i'd fleshed them out but yes i, I completely agree with that one and um, yeah well done congratulations to reginald rose so moving on to the cinematography this is probably the hardest one this is, this is even harder for screenplay for me for for, for narrowing it down um but I'm narrowed down to five. So I've gone for... So my nominations for the Best Cinematography Award go to Jordan Cronweth for Blade Runner, Denson Baker and Toby Oliver for Get Out, John Alcott for The Shining, Lucas Zal for I'm Thinking of Ending Things, and Ben Fordsman for Saint Maud. Obviously, super hard, because you could give a million people a nomination for this beautiful cinematography and a lot of these excellent films we've seen uh the one that nearly really nearly made it was saving private ryan which has I was excellent say, yeah. um and, and those war scenes are great um but for me i think each one of these you could argue for, for time but i also want to mix old and new and get some things in there but yeah um you know really 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 stat category um but you know just talk me through what you're thinking now blade runner get out shining i'm thinking anything Saint i'm surprised Lord. gout's in there to be honest i mean i love the film it's in my top four but i'm very surprised that you've gone for that over some other things like saving private ryan which i'm very surprised is uh is omitted from the nominations I mean, I think that um, it's not necessarily the most explosive film in the ways, but I think the way it shows emotion through through the cinematography earns it its nomination for me. I think, yeah. um, obviously, of course, that's acting and that's directing, but the way that it's shown and, and things like the the what's the, what's the thing called like the the, the the place you know the 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 sunken place you know the way that is shot and and the shots mm -hmm, of, true, of yeah. him as as a younger child, I think for me earn earn the nomination. But I can completely understand yeah. if you think something else would. But yeah. Blade Runner, also, Get yeah, Out, I'm, Shining. I'm thinking of anything. Yeah. Same mode. Um, very tough. Very, very tough. So, get, so it's not Get Out. So, The Shining. Mm -hmm. uh, Blade Runner. Same mode. Blade Runner. Okay, I'm going to go with... For me, it's between the two horror films that aren't Get Out. So, between... So, uh, the Shining and the Saint Shining Maud. The Shining and Saint Maud. Okay. And I think I'm going to go with. Oh, so this is tough as well. I think I'm going to go with. Oh, this is tough. This is this is like putting a really good independent film against one of the greatest horror films ever <laughs> yes. and, it's, and it's still so tough to decide it just shows the excellent cinematography throughout Saint Maud um, which mm -hmm. of course helps build up this um, duality between real and and non-real between religion and science between so much in that film and obviously it stacks up with some world class and so well known 
shots from The Shining. You know, things like uh, the, the hallway scene and, and the final scene of Jack Nicholson, are, and, and even the axe breaking through. Those shots will go down and have gone down in film history. You know, you can get a poster of that anywhere, and it just shows how good John Alcott's cinematography was throughout that film. Um, but Obviously, uh, it's very, very tight, and there's a lot of reasons to give either one, but have you got one that you're going to pick? I'm going to have to push you for an answer. I'm going to go, controversially perhaps, for St. Maud. Congratulations to Ben Fordsman for St. Maud. Definitely an outside pick, but you know I've got to uh, to award it, uh, and it's not the only nomination for Saint Maud. They will coming back to that as the awards go on. Um, but yeah, great nomination. I think there's a lot of merit to that film, uh, cinematography wise. I think it's an excellent film. Personally, I'd have picked uh, uh, Jordan Cronenworth for Blade Runner. I think that film looks so great, and that's kind of a mixture of cinematography and lighting. Uh, but yeah, um, yeah, very very yeah, well deserved. Yeah, Blade Runner as well. An amazing. Mm-hmm. Cinematography, so and Blade Runner as a name we'll be hearing quite a lot for these next few films. So, talking of which, uh, supporting actress. Now, uh, we're going to be starting off. Uh, we're going through all four and uh, start off of the the actor and actress categories. And these were obviously super hard to pick. Maybe some for other reasons than others. Uh, but we start off with supporting actress, and we're talking about Anna de Armas for Blade Runner twenty forty nine, uh, playing Joy the robot kind of lover companion to to the main character that is ryan gosling in that film alison williams for get out playing a um i don't get out for playing the girlfriend of daniel kaluuya throughout who's a particularly creepy and and, and, and elusive figure elizabeth debicki for tenet she plays uh, the romantic in well i wouldn't say romantic interest but she's the 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 wife of, of the of uh, the bad guy in the film she uh, kind of tries to to she's forced in a, in a bad situation through inversion and and trying to get away from her abusive husband uh, maria bakalova for her breakout performance in borat subsequent movie film uh playing borat's daughter um and, and kind of priding hilarious throughout and, and providing a, a lot of the performances and some of the cringiest scenes in the film and that is of course in a good way and amanda seafried for mank she she playing the the daughter of a uh, of of one of the most important men in Hollywood at the time, um, and kind of almost and her, her rebellious streak, um, leading her into to some interesting conversations with uh, Gary Oldman's Herman J. Mankiewicz. So yeah, Blade Runner twenty forty nine, Anna de Armas, Alison Williams, Get Out, Elizabeth the Bicky Tenet, Mario Bakalova, Borat's Epic Movie Film, and Amanda Seyfried for Mank. So give me your thoughts. Uh, so again, referring to the whiskeys, uh, I got some nominations in there. Um, being Amanda Seyfried for Mank and Maria Bakalova for Borat's subsequent movie film, uh, being two of my three nominations for the whiskeys, and mm-hmm. and of course, talking to you before um, that, me and you had some discussion before that, and um, you had said that you had strongly considered putting Elizabeth Debicki in, and you wanted to, but you chose against it in the end. So that's another one that that was in the in there for you. Yeah, I think as well. Um, oh, this is tough because Alison Williams in Get Out is phenomenal. Um, and I'm very surprised people haven't really been talking about that like as much as you know. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was an amazing film with you know as you've talked about cinematography and you know the the direction, the acting, and everything about that film for me is just top notch. And but I feel like almost Kalu's performance kind of maybe overshadows Alison Williams in that film. I think her performance is, is incredible, um, especially in that sort of turn of turn of the free, turn of the 
play, I guess, in the, in the sort yep. of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, that scene of her sitting on a bed on the looking phone, at, yeah, oh, looking through yeah. black um, basketball players on on her laptop and eating um, Cheerios uh, and and dry Cheerios and a glass of milk is um, kind of goes the scene down. That does it for me is when uh, when Rod phones her up um, towards the end of the film and she's on the phone call acting innocent and that that entire scene on the phone where her. Like she's just kind of blank expression, just with this fake pseudo shocked, sad voice quality. Where like it, that's just haunting. Seeing that is incredible. Um, but into, oh, this is a tough one as well. Yeah, and of course we can't forget about the performance. Uh, the first one I nominated, um, and Armus in Blade Runner twenty forty nine playing that uh, robot Joy. Um, obviously yeah. have to be a bit out of her skin and play kind of almost ver- different versions of the same character. Uh, and provides some, some kind mm-hmm. of so well-known scenes, you know. Of course, when she's the, that giant creature uh, looking over Ryan Gosling, you know that that's a film, that's a, a still that has been made into many a poster over the last few years. Um, you know, Elizabeth Debicki bring a whole new dimension to it. Otherwise, uh, otherwise also an excellent film. Uh, Mary Baklova, you know, perform. As I said the only word you could use is breakout. Uh, and Amanda Seyfried, you know, adding a whole new, you know, adding a, a putting in a. a World class performance in in a film where, uh, you know, obviously quite a few other people shine. Yeah. You know, Charles Dance and, and Gary Oldman and, and Lee Collins and Lee James, whichever one it is. I was getting mixed up. <laughs> so, I've spoken yeah. so highly of Alison Williams, but I think I'm going to go with Maria Bakalova. Maria, just because, so, just for such a, oh, it's a it's a tough one. It's between those two, I think, for me. But in terms of, okay, just for it being such a you know an incredible debut performance from an unknown, and. Also, the fact that you know, unfortunately, we didn't get to nominate for the debut performance for the whiskeys, so it's, uh, it's another string to a bow. So yeah, the, the the fact that it's a debut performance as well is just incredible. So I'm gonna go for that. I should have put debut performance in here, shouldn't I? Congratulations to Maria Bakalova for her win, uh, supporting actress for her role in Borat's subsequent movie film as Borat's daughter. Uh, that's the second win tonight for Borat's subsequent movie film. Uh, congratulations. I, I, I kind of feel like doing a La La Land moment here. <laughs> well, it's too late, I'm afraid. We're moving the, on. The, the, the Oscar actually goes to... The Oscar no, doesn't I, go to I, anywhere else. We keep see, I fi- see, you Sorry. know what I feel like, though? I feel like I'm giving too many awards to the new to the 2020 films. Well, you know, maybe... Well, I don't think you should think about that. You should purely think about the film, right? So we, we take out the, the, the newness and, and you're rating Alison Williams' performance for Get Out against Mira Bakalova's. That's, that's all you're doing. And they're obviously both great in different ways and, and I think they both deserve it. And But Mira Bakalova gets the award. Congratulations. And yeah, second win for Borat tonight and, and second end of the, the, the only two nominations they are getting. Um, but yeah, so suck it. Moving on <laughs> to Supporting Actor. We have five nominations here. We have Robert De Niro for Goodfellas, J.K. Simmons for Whiplash, Ben Mendelsohn for Baby Teeth, Mark Rylance for The Trial of the Chicago 7, and Peter McDissie for Uncle Frank. So, any surprises there? Anything you instantly think, no, that's not getting it? What, what, give, give me your thoughts. So we've got Ben Mendelsohn, McDissie, J.K. Simmons, who are the other ones? Rylance and uh, Robert De Niro. I oh, this is another one that's tough. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it's only gonna get tougher. I think 
I'm going to have to go with J.K. Simmons. Now, that was very quick. You know, supporting actress, we had to talk through each role and, and what they did. Of course, I'm, I'll quickly do that and say, you know, Robert De Niro yeah. played this, uh, the kind of, you know, I think he was talked out more for, for, for leading actor at the time. And I think it was billed first. And I always feel like Ray Liotta is completely uh, mistreated about his performance in that film. But Robert De Niro playing a kind of second um gangster who helps kind of build up Ray Liotta and kind of a mentor at times J.K. Simmons uh, as uh, what was his name what's his name in the film Thomas Fletcher uh, yes uh, Fletcher who, who's this um, abusive music teacher who um, kind of bullies the lead actor that is Miles Teller throughout the film and tries to bring out the best in him you know there's a, a strong questions of course of, of morality and, and whether he goes too far Ben Mendelsohn plays uh, in Baby Teeth uh, Henry James Finlay who's the da- dad of a dying uh, a girl dying of cancer who's perhaps seeing one of the, the biggest dickheads you can as a boyfriend and he's trying to deal with the parenting of, of what should you know, what's best for her at the time Mike Rylance before, uh, is could have and not a lot of nominations could have come out for the trial of Chicago 7 for best supporting actor of course um, Eddie Redmayne Sacha Baron Cohen um Mark Strong, you know, there's uh, Jeremy Strong, sorry, um, and you know all these the different supporting actors could be talked about for that. Uh, but Mark Lawrence plays the the lawyer that, that kind of defended the Chicago Seven, and he puts in an excellent performance. Peter McDissey and Uncle Frank is uh, the gay lover of Paul Bettany, who is Uncle Frank, and, and kind of in a tough time for for homosexuals, um, and, and kind of him stowing away and kind of providing some kind of comedic relief for for the quite serious story that that uh, Bettany goes through. But you, you so quickly jumped to J.K. Simmons, and I think that only speaks for just how amazing that performance is in that film. Yeah, incredible. So just this, as you mentioned, this abusive and well, you know, just this this like sort of powerful performance in terms of I don't know, it's just something about that film for me where I just feel like kids. Bef- if 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 it was anyone else doing that performance, it could have easily been so underwhelming so impotent and just very like average mm-hmm. i think he's he you know he gives everything to the forms and it, it, it says a lot really when you can make make a character that should be and is so hateable and yet you know have some kind of question about you know you know doubting almost whether you know is this you know what is what he's doing is he doing it genuinely is he doing it for selfish reasons, is what mm-hmm. he's doing wrong or, or right, and I think just that performance is so strong in that film that it would could easily be, that film could easily be broken by a by a weaker actor. So I mean, P. McDissey um, was one who I was considering for the whiskeys, and um, Ben Mendelsohn is someone who I nominated for the whiskeys, and both incredible performances in twenty twenty. Um, De Niro obviously is always excellent in in everything he does, and uh, who was the other one? Sorry, um, sorry, Robert De Niro. De Niro, Mendelssohn, who was who was oh Rylance, Mike Rylance, Rylance, yeah, and yeah, as you mentioned with Chicago's Travel Chicago Seven, is that you know they could have been three, four supporting actors, uh, potential candidates in in that film, and Mike Rylance for me was the strongest of of those. So yeah, another twenty twenty film in there, another great performance. I think Jake Simmons just is that bit above above those uh, those films for me. So congratulations to J.K. Simmons for Whiplash.
There is another Whiplash nomination down the road, but yeah, a world class performance. I think you know he's up there with any best actor and best actress performance, let alone supporting. Um, and and yes, just just a world class performance. I did not do a best editing uh, category here just because of, of time reasons more than anything. But if I did, um, I think for me, off the top of my head, the, the first one that comes to mind that we did on the podcast, um would have been Tom Cross's editing in Whiplash. So I guess we'll just give that award to them. Should we? Congratulations to Tom Cross as well for winning editing for, for Whiplash as well. <laughs> because um, he really is that good. Um, and yeah, so congratulations to Jacob Whiplash. It's one I completely agree with. Uh, world-class performance of the ages, definitely. And moving on to the big two acting nominations. The Best Actress and Best Actor. Um I kind of overstepped the mark a little bit. I said about only going for, for five, and I have stuck to five for most of these, but I did go to six for best actor. So I've made sure that no uh, nominations are for, for... There's no there's nobody that's in both best actor or best actress when it comes to film. Um, so so we're trying to get a, a much films, as many films as possible in there. And to start off for the best actress category, we have Vera Miles for Psycho. She plays uh, someone who... Uh, commits a felony and, and flees uh, with with a lot of money to a uh, local uh, tra- uh, inn uh, motel and, um, and and events occur. Uh, she she certainly is the main character for the first half of the film. She she kind of dominates the screen time for the first half. So she I thought she got in here over best supporting actress. Aliza uh, Scanlon is nominated for Baby Teeth. She plays the kind of the aforementioned uh, cancer ridden. Girl, teenager, sixteen-year-old, who obviously has said about Ben Mendelsohn being her dad. She she plays the character uh, Miller, and she goes through an awful lot of um, stress and trauma and love and 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 hate and breakup. And it's you know a, a very all-round performance. So I played Jesse, uh, Jesse Buckley for I'm Thinking of Many Things, a character with so many names who is thinking about perhaps sending things either in a, in a romantic sense with with her boyfriend or perhaps. It's actually the thoughts of a suicidal older man uh, in, a, in a very uh, performance that requires her to do so many things. Uh, Morphid Clark for St. Maud, playing the, the titular character who struggles with religion and uh, self-image and insanity at points, um, who, who's a, a carer that becomes obsessed by her faith. And Evan Rachel Wood, who plays Old Dolio in Cajillionaire, perhaps a film that we've talked about a few times on the podcast already, but she's a character who is kind of almost enslaved by her horrible parents who make her live this shitty life uh, of stealing and conning rather than getting a proper job and, and how much uh, she goes through to try and get out of that and, and falls in love with, with another girl. Of So what are you thinking about those nominations Vera Mars for Psychos Ganon for Baby Teeth Jesse Buckley for I think many things Morphe Clark for St. Maud and Evan Rachel Wolf for Gillianaire what are your initial thoughts on those picks uh, I think what I think is I'm going crazy didn't you say there were six nominations for this or was that the last no one? six nominations for Best Actor ah uh, I see okay um, again a tough one and again one which mm-hmm. has a couple of in fact a majority of 2020 films um, yes so this one has four out still, of five being Bang. Yeah, but still, again, a lot of uh, incredible performances, and this is something else I came across when um, trying to decide my whiskey's nominations was that the supporting actress and leading an actress in a leading role were much harder to narrow down because a, there was a lot more, a lot, a lot more stronger performances uh, across the board. 
compared to the actor and supporting actor uh, categories. I think, um, personally, I think for this, uh, especially because we did a lot of older films early in the year, it was a lot easier to do Best Actress. I think that that speaks more about the fact that maybe Hollywood is is particularly scared of important uh, female roles, especially it was in the past, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. watching films from the 50s and 60s and 70s. Um, I think I felt a lot easier to narrow it down. Uh, There are definitely people that, that were in consideration for the awards. People like Rosamund Pike, people like Eva Green, Millie Bobby Brown was even in consideration. Uh, I forget the name, but the lead character, uh, the actress in his house, um, mm-hmm. in, uh, 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 Olivia Cook for Pixie. There was, there was definitely thoughts in there that, that didn't make it. Um, but I did think that it was a lot easier. There's a lot more nominations I could have put for Best Actor, personally. Yeah, I just I just mean in terms of actually yeah. picking one of these five is harder. Mm-hmm. Than necessarily the you know the, the choice for you might have been harder to narrow down. Obviously, yeah, to narrow down. But I mean, I was pretty much instantaneous with my J.K. Simmons pick, whereas this is a lot tougher for me. Oh, this is best actress not supporting, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I do see your point, of course. Uh, I um. So, what's your thought process right now? What's what's an easy strike off? <sighs> there isn't really. I'd say the easiest strike off is Evan Rachel Wood, just because as as I've said before, Kajuna didn't necessarily resonate with me as as much as mm-hmm. it did with many other people. Um, but I still think performance was very good. I don't think you know the yeah, performance yeah, of course, wasn't the, of course, of course. the biggest uh, depth, like sort of yeah issue we um, have that Yeah, I'm gonna. So I'm gonna I'm gonna write off Evan do just for just uh, because mm-hmm. I think the others sure. were stronger performances. Okay. And I'm going to. I'm gonna go with. I don't say is it Eliza or Eliza? I don't know, but Eliza Scanlon. For baby, baby teeth. teeth. Congratulations to Elisa Scanlon for Baby Teeth. Uh, I've said a uh, performance that you know I think should be nominated for these top awards. It will not be. In, it is uh, truly, uh, one, for me, one of the most impactful and, and, and best performances, especially from a young actress that I've seen in, in many years. And, and I think it's fully deserving of the award. And I'm happy that you picked it. Um, I, I personally would have picked either that or perhaps Jessie Buckley. Um, and yeah, and an excellent film and an excellent actress. Congratulations to Elisa Scanlon for Baby Teeth. So that pulls us into the home stretch. We've only got f- uh, four uh, categories left. And this one had so many, so many near near picks for for best actor. And I said maybe that's because Hollywood was for many years afraid of, of of strong women. But there was so many picks for best actor that that I, I didn't include that that could have been included. Uh, they include Elio Germano for Rose Island, Gary Oldman for Mank, Paul Bettany for Uncle Frank could have got in there, John David Washington could have got in there. Um, Tom Hanks, you know, he he misses I mean, for, for Saving Private Ryan, you know, a film that I've maybe uh, neglected uh, in, in this. Miles Teller for Whiplash could have got in there. Ray Liotta could have got in there. Just some some really, really great performances. Even, you know, Ryan Gosling for, for Blade Runner 2049. So many performances could have got into this category, but missed. Um, and that just shows how many great male performances we've seen over these last six months. So, without further ado... Best actor nominees are as follows: Harrison Ford for Blade Runner, Daniel Kaluuya, Daniel Kaluuya for Get Out, Jack Nicholson for The Shining, Henry Fonda for Twelve Angry Men, Soap Derizu for His House, Chadwick Boseman for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. So six picks for that one. 
because I just couldn't narrow it down. But six uh, di- different performances for a lot of different reasons. Harrison Ford playing the Blade Runner in Blade Runner. Uh, Rick Deckard, um, certainly one of my favorite films ever. Um, one that I discovered on the podcast uh, I hadn't seen before about you know his his uh, kind of having to deal with with both trying to track down these uh, replicants and simultaneously falling in love with one uh, shows such a great uh, range of emotions in that. Then Kaluuya, you know, he, he puts in you know a career best performance uh, in Get Out, where you know he he deals uh, with racism and and um, and you know psychological abuse and you know the, the the death of his mother jack nicholson the shining showing insanity in such an amazing uh form you know showing all the the the, the levels of, of, of derangement that someone could go through Henry fonda and 12 angry men um you know really pushing uh the best out of his supporting cast and, and delivering important impactful lines and and social commentary soap derizu who uh, for his house in, in perhaps a film that wouldn't have been so well known uh, that came out this halloween um you know really really you know showing so much in that and, and this man that, that comes to a new country and has to deal with with loss of, of their daughter uh you know he just you know the, the the pain that he has to go through in that film could only have been done with the performance of an actor as, as good as, as soap and, and cherbic bozeman for marini's back bottom something that i talked about on the podcast as being one of the best performances i've seen for many many years uh playing this struggling you know arrogant musician who has the world at his feet and and perhaps um sometimes uh is so sure of himself that you know he is willing to snap out of people who who deny him that that credit um so so a range of, of great performances here and just want to hear through your thought process as you come to choosing one in surely one of the toughest categories very very tough um so this is from Fees again, quickly, so I can get... Oh, I forgot a nomination. So, Seth Rogen for An American Pickle. Oh, okay, yeah. That's the that's the last-minute entry. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we've got Jack Nicholson, Daniel Kaluuya, Soap DeZeru... Chabic Bozeman, Henry Fonda, Harrison Ford. Okay, I'm... I don't know if surprise is the right word, but I'm... Yeah, I'm I'm kind of surprised that <laughs> um you've put uh, Harrison Ford in there, to be honest. I mean, he was good, really? but I... Compared to the others, I don't think he stands out as much. Okay, I think um, maybe you're understanding like, just how much I love Blade Runner. And yeah, how much I love Harrison Ford in Blade Runner. I actually did consider him for supporting actor for his role in the sequel. Um, I would but... be more inclined to go with that than the oh, really? than with best actor. Yeah, mm. Not necessarily I wouldn't have picked him over necessarily, but I think I'd be more likely to consider. So I'm going to write off Harrison Ford, unfortunately. Um, okay, that hurts, but I can understand it. I'm also going to. I think okay, it's between three. I think okay. it's between Kaluuya, Nicholson, and Bozeman. Kaluuya, Nicholson, Nicholson, and Bozeman. Okay, mm-hmm. so Soap and Harry Fonda, despite their excellent performances, have been have been checked out. And I'm not saying that as saying that you've picked wrong because it is they're all putting excellent performances in in these films. So. Yep, the, the those uh, so narrowing it down to those three for for very different films. Again, two horror films. <laughs> those Get Out and The Shining have seemed to come yep. up in a few conversations. I think I'm gonna go with someone we've talked about already earlier in the podcast, uh, and go with Daniel Kaluuya. I'm very sad actually he didn't win the Oscar. So yes, I, I'm I agree. Give, I'm gonna give him the honorary uh, award. <laughs> well, you know, 
I'm not sure. If, imagine if you're if you're an actor. I wonder if you are more honoured or more. You, what do you think high more highly of? An Academy Award or a Now Showing Award? I, I think don't know. it's probably a Now Showing Award. Mm, yeah, I think it would be. I'm inclined to agree. So congratulations to Daniel Kaluuya for Get Out. Uh, again, uh, an excellent performance, as I say, every single one. And uh, yeah, I agree, he should have won the Oscar in 2017. And he makes up for it here by by winning the Now Showing Award. I'm going to, we're moving on to Best Director. Uh, I actually going to quickly chuck one in that I forgot to include. I think he's deserving. We've got six picks. I thought I had five, but we have six picks. Okay. So, I don't know if you've noticed, but I'm reading out each of these in the order of which we reviewed them in. I don't know if you noticed that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So... Best director nominations are Stanley Kubrick for The Shining, Alfred Hitchcock for Psycho, Damien Chazelle for Whiplash, Charlie Kaufman for I'm Thinking of Ending Things, Rose Glass for St. Maud, and much like Rose Glass, Orson Welles' de- uh, directorial debut, is that correct? For Citizen Kane. Was it my directorial I'm not sure if that's true. Stanley Kubrick, Alfred Hitchcock, Charlie Kaufman, Rose Glass, and Orson Welles. Okay. Certainly wasn't Rose Glass's debut. Uh, you know, this one was, of course, tough. All of them are. Um, yeah. Giselle. Sorry, I was about to say Giselle. That's the one I forgot to put in. Um, so tough. Again, Steven Spielberg for Saving Pride Ryan. Uh, Ridley Scott for Blade Runner. Shanna Murphy for Baby Teeth. Uh, Chris and Nolan. You know, they, they, all of those could have could have been in there. You know, David Fincher for for, for Mank. Um, but I think when it comes to, to the direction and, and how much that improved those films and how much those resulted in the, the excellence that we saw, I think Kubrick, Hitchcock, uh, Kaufman, uh, Chazelle, Rose Glass, and, and Orson Welles stood out for me. So, what do you think? Yeah. I think I'm leaning between. Wait, what was the second one you said? Uh, Hitchcock or Chazelle? Oh, yeah. I think I'm gonna. I think I'm. My, my kind of provisional thoughts are Chazelle, Wells, and who was the other one? Kaufman, Kubrick, Rose Glass. Kubrick. Okay. Kubrick, Wells, Chazelle. Okay. What dinner party? <laughs> oh, this is... and They're all so tough. They're all... We've seen some really good films this year, haven't we? Mm-hmm. Which is... Well, this past year. Yeah. Which is not the theme of the next uh, <laughs> award. Oh, right, is it? Um... Hmm... Okay, I'm for. I think I'm going to have to go with Orson Welles for Citizen Kane. Okay, congratulations to Orson Welles for winning our Best Director Award for his directorial for his direction of Citizen Kane. Of course, he stars in that film as well and had a role in writing it. If you want to, what were your reasoning behind picking that over the, the rest of them? I think just, it just like Chazelle and um, Kubrick, obviously excellent films and excellent direction. I just think in terms of kind of pulling together, as you mentioned, the writing, acting, just pulling together sort of all the different sort of components of the film. And Citizen Kane, obviously, as we talked about in the episode when we reviewed it. One of the greatest films, if not the greatest film of all time, uh, in terms of critical and uh, general audience sort of reviews and perceptions. I think 
that film is just so tightly directed. I think, especially as you, as you mentioned for the time, it, you know, he still holds up and it's just such a fun, but also very interesting film. It has a lot to say about a lot of things. And uh, I'm kind of surprised actually that Cindy Lummer isn't been put in here for Tommy Men for similar reasons. We yeah. talked very highly about that film as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Cindy think... Lumet, yeah, it definitely was in the in the, in the discussion in there. You know, you know, but it's so hard to narrow it down. But yeah, yeah. I, 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 yeah. So congratulations to Orson Welles. I, I think that's a, a, a well deserved win. Between me, it was between him, uh, Kaufman, and um, Damien Chazelle. Um, so yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm happy for that. So of course, we've seen so many good films this year, and we've we've talked about so many great films in the podcast so many that i had to include 10 but first we're not doing that but first we're doing worst picture so for worst picture we've got the old guard radioactive rebecca hillbilly elegy and the prom of course i haven't seen the prom and you haven't seen rebecca so that narrows it down we would not be picking rebecca which i think perhaps was the worst film of 2020 but yes yeah, so talk us through your thoughts on the old guard or old guard of course being uh, a superhero flick with with uh, the main um being uh, Charlie's Theron, a uh, set of uh, warriors that have lived for thousands of years who cannot be killed. Uh, radioactive uh, being a particularly dull affair about the uh, about the creation of um, radium. Um, Rebecca uh, was a poor, poor <laughs> remake of the 1941 classic Rebecca um, originally made by Alfred Hitchcock this one stars uh, Arnie Hammer uh, and is particularly he is the standout of the, of the stinkiest actor of the year award for <laughs> me um, I think it would be too harsh to be what to do worst actors or worst actresses but if I did he'd probably be in the conversation uh, he'll be the energy you know pref- such uh, a disappointment obviously already won the best worst disappointment uh, award um, or biggest disappointment award um, a particularly confusing and um, unfair and, and strange moral moral behind it um, classist uh, undertones throughout um, and yeah despite some strong performance from Glenn Close which we were talked about um, yeah maybe not up there with uh, the best that we've ever seen and The Prom is a musical which seems to forget which tends to forget its leading characters it's led by a um section of, of well-known celebrities such as Mel Streep and um uh James Corden and Nicole Kidman is that Nicole right? Kidman yeah Nicole yeah. Kidman um yeah it's, it's a musical about um a school prom um and you said it had some problems with its kind of depiction of LGBT rights and it kind of does more damage than it does good so what do you think about those five films for worst picture uh, okay I'm going to write off uh, The Old God and The Prom as much as I kind of thought they were very average slash bad films I think they still have some entertainment value and some redeeming qualities mm, so yeah. I'm I definitely said The Old God off. definitely yeah I, I think yeah. I just went in there because it was you know the fifth worst you know yeah so that leaves Rebecca which I've not seen so I can't give the award to Rebecca and that also leaves Hillbilly Elegy and Radioactive which I personally did not find as bad as many people I quite like, I didn't necessarily enjoy it but I just thought it was better had more merit than uh, and more credit deserved than a lot of people were giving it especially cinematography Rosman Park's performance and um, yeah so I think I'm going to go have to go with Hillbilly Elegy again 
because it was a big disappointment and the acting was in parts terrible in parts was you know Glenn Close was a saving grace but I mean as I talked about before some of the acting was was pretty overacting pretty bad and uh, the, as, as you said mixed messages very classist and very confusing slash problematic undertones mm-hmm. um, so yeah I think I'm gonna have to go with Hillbilly, Hillbilly Elegy Okay, so the Hillbilly Edge was worst picture, of course, already winning the uh, biggest disappointment award. And did it win um, the LeBron award? Uh, no, Radioactive did. Oh yes, Rosamund Pike Radioactive, yes, of course. And yes, yeah, so before we move on to best picture, I just want a quick word for the films that didn't get nominated anything. So we, I tried as hard as I can to do as many of the forty so forty five. 46 films that were eligible uh we did not uh nominate uh the like so the films that did not get nominated for anything uh brief moment for them uh though they, they, they were un, uh project power the hunt uh proxima oh no they got nominated so i think so project power the hunt uh, uh the devil all the time uh and anola holmes were the films that didn't get nominated for anything and Pixie unhinged didn't really either. unhinged got for um Russell Crowe got nominated for underwhelming for uh, best performance. In oh yes, film. yes, he did. Yeah. Award. So those films didn't get nominated, um, but everything else did. So the nominations for best picture, of course, so so difficult, so difficult. There's so many great films watched this year, uh, and mm-hmm. I tried to balance it up between old and new, um, and it's pretty close. I think it's five all. So um, yeah, so it's, it's, it's exactly 50-50. So some really, really uh, famous, world-class films uh, that you know transcend eras. Uh, some new films that have wowed us for, for different reasons. Um, some extremely anticipated, some we didn't even think we would have liked. But I've nominated these, these 10, so you know you can get angry at me. I didn't nominate, you know, whatever you want. You know, I didn't nominate, <laughs> I don't know, uh, fucking Goodfellas. Okay. So, nominations for Best Picture are Blade Runner, Get Out, Whiplash, Saving Private Ryan, Twelve Angry Men, Baby Teeth, Tenet, Citizen Kane, Uncle Frank, and Soul. So, Blade Runner, first film we did on the podcast, right? And for me, one of the best. I absolutely adore this film. I definitely feel strongly, more strongly about this film than you do. Um, it's one of my favourites. I've rewatched it an awful few, uh, a few times. Um, and, you know, just... Beautiful cinematography, excellent performances, and you know the perfect uh, showing of, of what cyberpunk is. You know the birth of cyberpunk. Uh, some great uh, showings of, of you know what it is to be human. And there's there's a line in the film, um, you know, too bad she won't live. Um, but who? Do, uh, but in the uh, what's it? <laughs> it's too bad. Too bad she won't live. But then again, who does? You know this concept that um, who really feels the extent of their life who really does everything they could and it kind of almost showing that you know you should do you could do more in three years uh like the replicants do and than many people do in a lifetime get out we've talked about for a million times in the podcast already you know beautiful uh and 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 sad and um socially relevant um horror thriller extravaganza from Jordan Peele you know propped up by some world class performances from Kaluuya and, and Anson Williams and just funny and, and horrible and, and horrible in a funny way and funny in a horrible way 
and Whiplash, uh, you know, you know, one of the best possible sports films, one of the best possible music films. This this, this competitive nature, and you're just wanting uh, this this main character, this drama, to, to do it right and to, to to get through all these these hurdles that his his horrific teacher is throwing at him. And sometimes he does, sometimes he doesn't. And you have an interesting relationship with every character in it. And yeah, world class editing, beautiful music, great performances. J.K. Simmons already won our supporting actor award. Uh, favorite Private Ryan uh, maybe he's been neglected too many times with the other awards but yeah probably one of the best possible war films you can make you know it's up there with 1917's depiction of the first world war but Saving Private Ryan's depiction of the second world war is, is epic Steven Spielberg Tom Hanks you know it's this long long film um, that shows kind of all the realities and, and negatives of war of course we had some issues with the ending but doesn't take away from it it's otherwise an excellent film 12 Angry Men you know it's 12 people in a courtroom trying to make decisions about a person's life and whether he deserves to be killed uh, interesting morality that it brings up and and uh, you know Sydney LeMay's director of the debut it's amazing that he, he pulled this out as his first picture and you know it's, it's a play in in kind of real form uh, but excellent just absolutely excellent uh, Baby Teeth you know I've talked about it every podcast it seems but he said story of, the, of a cancer patient and you know every actor you know best actor best supporting actress you know all best you know all of those four categories filled by uh, an excellent performance each one ben mendelson scanlon toby wallace and um oh fucking i've got a name now Elie, uh lc davis um, all, all excellent Shannon Murphy's directorial debut I'm sure she'll go on so much obviously done The Killing Eve before but when it comes to feature films you know a beautiful beautiful emotional story uh, Citizen Kane uh, a film that we haven't we, we talked about you know it's historically one of the, the greats but we probably have seen it for the podcast and a showing of, of how important this podcast is to us that we get to watch these great films um, and yeah the story of a of a politician businessman newspaper writer's life and and kind of trying to go back through his life in a, in a strange flashback order trying to find out what rosebud is um and yeah just you know some you know directorial masterclass from from awesome wells acting masterclass from him as well you know home j mankowitz of course we saw in mank how just how tough the, his, his screenwriting situation was and, and all what inspired that film tenet you know maybe critically didn't do so well but this year certainly a film that that me and you are, are definitely proud members of the tenet fan club and christopher nolan's newest look at um some sort of cool sci-fi concepts like he does in inception and you know, stella looking at the concept of inversion where you kind of you kind of go in reverse time and and uh, the antics that, that go through that again direct directing from from nolan is the first thing that stands out score visual effects john david washington rob patterson debicki all putting great performances uh, typical nolan style uncle frank was a surprise pick certainly for us uh we wouldn't have thought of it, it was going to be in this kind of conversation when it came out on amazon prime but the story of, of a, a gay man played by paul bettany and and him trying to come out to his parents uh or trying to deal with being homosexual and hide it from his parents almost uh when he has to show up to a funeral and you know some great performances from bettany and sophia lillis and and uh and uh make make and lastly soul the the only animated film that we've got on this list and one of the only animated films we did this year uh pixar you know so consistent you know one of the most consistent uh film studios probably the most consistent film studio ever uh put out another uh, banger uh you know story of, of a person who feels his life has gone too soon and his journey his battles try and bring it back and and in his love of music is shown and, and some beautiful voice acting from uh, Jamie Foxx and, and some some great uh, animation of course you know but the sound is so crisp it's so good it's some really great creative ideas that's why it got nominated for best screenplay so all deserving I'm sure you'll agree all deserving mm -hmm. but you have to narrow it down so what are your thoughts I went through that long list 
so this is a, again the thing with this one, right, is that it's kind of like the films that I've got in my top hundred favorites list, right. Mm-hmm. I'm looking through the ones that you've mentioned that are in this list, and then the order of them. And I could order them in any order. <laughs> mm-hmm. And also the fact that the films that I've got as my favourites aren't necessarily like the films I would say are best picture, like the best film. I mean, I think you so know it's hard for me. Like, I'm gonna okay, I'm gonna run through just my thought process because I've got I've got a list up here. So the films that you mentioned that are in my top hundred list mm-hmm. are. Uh, that's not in there. Okay, so... I think the only ones that are in this list are 12 Angry Men. Mm-hmm. Um, Soul. Yep. Citizen Kane. Mm-hmm. Whip... Did you say Whiplash? Was that one of yep. them? Yep, yep. Uh, Whiplash, Tenet, and Get Out. Okay, so not Blade Runner, not Saving Private Ryan, not Baby Teeth, not Uncle Frank. Is Blade Runner the first one, not Blade Runner 2049? Blade Runner the first one, yeah. Okay, so yeah, so none of those are in the top 100. So my thought process behind picking these films, so they all have a reason. Blade Runner, the first film, firstly, but it's got into my four favourites. Get Out was a film that you recommended, so I know you love, and I felt the same way. Whiplash was the first film I gave a 10 out of 10 on this podcast. Saving Private Ryan, all three of us, it was excellent, and it's such a good showing of each individual aspect of filmmaking. Talking Men, I gave it 10. Baby Peter Heath, I've talked about as my favourite films. I knew that you liked it because we talked about it this week. Tenet, we've both have highly rated compared to a lot of other people. And you've got as mm-hmm. a four and a half thing. I've got as a four and a half. One of the best films of the year. Citizen Kane. We've no, got ten, a, I've got as a five now. Oh, really? Citizen Kane uh-huh. is another film I gave as a ten. Uncle Frank was one of the big surprises of the year. And Soul was another film I gave as a ten. So, because I know it's yeah. all me, but because I'm the one that's given the tens on the podcast, I think they deserve to be best picture because they've been yeah. given tens. So, yeah. Oh, God. I mean, if I was to go strictly off the order of this list, then it would be that out of those films that I've set up in the top 100, so the ones that, so ignoring the ones that I've already discounted, uh, mm-hmm. last place would go to 12 Angry Men. Then it would be Soul. Then it would be Citizen Kane. Then it would be Whiplash. Then it would be Tenet. Then it would be Get Out. However, I don't necessarily think that Get Out is best picture in... I don't know. I love the film, and I think its message and the way it presents it is very unique and very interesting, and that's why it's in my top four films ever. However, Mm -hmm. I think in terms of a technical level and a critical level and just every aspect of filmmaking... Oh, see, that's that's tough. That's harsh, though, because Get Out is, is... for me, a 10 out of 10 in all those regards. Um, okay, I'm going to discount, even though it's the lowest, I'm going to keep 12 Angry Men in the, in the conversation. Mm-hmm. I'm going to keep Citizen Kane in the conversation. Mm-hmm. I'm going to discount Soul, and I'm going to discount Tenet. I'm surprised to discount Tenet. I really thought Tenet was going to be one of the ones that you considered. Well... <sighs> As much as I love it, I can see its flaws and I can see why people don't like it. Yeah, and I yeah, can it see definitely has some problems with some of the character development and, and thing, but... Sound design and so on, yeah. Sound design, yeah, of course. Of course. Yep. Yeah. Um, ooh, so it's between Get Out, Citizen Kane, and 12 Angry Men. 
that's an awfully hard decision. That's an awfully hard decision to make. And I'm happy that I'm not having to be the one that makes it. Oh, and Whiplash as well, sorry. And, and of course, Whiplash, yes. Okay, I'm going to discount Whiplash. As much as I love it, it's a 10 out of 10 film. I also think the other films do more and have more to say. So I'm going to keep them in the... Because obviously Best Picture, a lot of a lot of it is beyond the cinematic. It's also about social awareness and, and what they try and say through the film. Um, you know, a lot of films they get petitioned for and, and platformed for at the Oscars are, you know, films that have things to say beyond just entertainment value. So I'm going to... As much as Whiplash does say a lot of things, I don't think it says as much as Citizen Kane, 12 Angry Men and Get Out, so I'm going to get rid of it. Oh, this is tough. Very, very tough. Um, I am going to choose... Oh, I don't know. What would you choose? Okay, okay. I'm going to... I've chosen mine. <laughs> I've chosen. I've picked mine. Okay, but what? What? What's your you, choice? You have picked yours. I've, yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to choose mine. So, okay. what's yours? Well, it's awfully hard. But mm -hmm. for me, when it comes to a personal level, it's between Blade Runner, Whiplash, and Baby Teeth. Um, you know, I think. It's quite funny that it's literally the first film we did in the podcast and we've done 50 films almost. And talking about films, we've talked about a fucking 100 films, 200 films, 300 films. But reviewed, we've done 50, almost 45. Mm -hmm. But I think the first, I think maybe Blade Runner, you know, I think uh, the acting is, is excellent. Supporting cast is, is wonderful. Um, and and I think Harrison Ford is, is just that good. Um, you know, the characters of Roy Batty and Rick Decker, I just think as are, are, are staples in cinema for me. I think when it comes to cinematography and lighting and score, it's just all tens. Mm -hmm. The editing is excellent. I think, of course, I'm talking about the final cut um, version. But as I'm saying okay. it, I'm thinking to myself that I prefer Baby Teeth. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It really is hard between those two. Um, okay. I think... Despite everything I just said, I think I might go for Baby Teeth. You know, okay. I think I might go for Baby Teeth. You know, as I say, I think okay. all four of those characters there, just excellent, beautiful story. Well, that that, that, that makes my decision that makes no feel a bit easy more... at all because no, 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 no. It makes it makes. I mean, the choices you were choosing between weren't in my consideration, but I think the fact what you've described and the fact that you've chosen what you have makes me a bit more happy and confident to to announce my decision. As uh, as the... get out because I want to. Wow, everybody! Congratulations to the best picture for the now showing awards. Congratulations to Get Out. <clears throat> Jordan Peele can happily accept this award, um, or the producer, uh, for Get Out, uh, the 2017 film. 2017, right? Wins uh, best best picture and it's so deserving of it. Uh, Say so it's first film, well, maybe the first film was one of the first films I gave uh, such a high rating to. Uh, you know, as a ten, I think it's a beautiful, beautiful film. Uh, it says so much. That's um, always so important, and and some of those characters come up in society too often, um, and and great characters uh, both both Kalia and the supporting cast is excellent. And I think it's fully deserving. Yeah. Okay. 
interesting pick. Um, I, I wouldn't say I'm too surprised by it. Uh, of course, I know you love that film, and that's why you suggested it to me. And 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 you know, I could have almost had this as a, as a as a nomination. This could almost be a, a category. But you know, we've got to talk. You know, just you know, we we said it a bit uh, last episode when we talked about the podcasting hitting how many episodes it did in six months and we did it when we talked about Citizen Kane but you know you just got to say you know it's wonderful doing this podcast and I've got to thank Jürgen so much for coming up with the idea and, and such and, and getting me on this path that's led me to doing this podcast and I've got to thank obviously you um, so much for, for coming along and, and recording these episodes with me every week and, and I can only thank well it's been a great uh, six months in terms of content and I've loved every second of it um, and it's really you know it sounds stupid that I'm getting you know thankful because it's a podcast that gets 10 listens uh, I've got to thank everyone that does listen of course you know he, he, he puts a number on the sheet but if I had zero listens it's just it's just uh, the act of going and doing this every week I love it so much I love watching the films for it and thinking critically about these films and I think you know even on a, a sports you know, I'm a sports journalist student writing talk about films think about the films makes me so much more articulate and and the, i think if you if i listen back to, to the blade runner episode now i'd be so embarrassed about how I, I review films even if i go further back to the to the um uh episode one when we talked about uh so calling by your name you know with with, with yoga i'd be so embarrassed about the, the way i review but i think one of the, the greatest things this, this does um, and we've both said this before is it leads us to watching these films that we otherwise wouldn't have watched um film both on a level of those classics that we wouldn't have ever wanted to put on like Susan Kane from the, the those great films that those those modern classics that you know I pushed you into watching you pushed me into watching uh like Get Out um you know and also me making me go to the cinema as if I would have gone to the cinema you know uh to go watch Baby Teeth if I hadn't if it was yeah. the podcast, there's no chance I would have. Or, or watch Uncle Frank for the both of us who, who both love that film on Amazon Prime. So, you know, a bit, a bit emotional, but, you know, I do love the National Podcast. I love recording it. I love doing it. I love releasing yeah, it. It's, it's good. And, uh, you know, I can thank you for everything you've done, of course. So, yeah, thank I think the Get Out film, the, the, the podcast introduced to me the way that you did it, uh, the way that you the way that you pushed that on me and made me do that. You know, it's just, it's it's a very apt winner for Best Picture because it really shows the the, the, str- the strength of the podcast. Yeah, I've been, you said right back, echoed right back at you as well. It's been a great six months and obviously um, spent, you know, time in lockdown and such and having like a film or films to watch each week, and I say films that you wouldn't necessarily watch. Um, you know, sometimes it's hard to keep motivation during these times, so it's just nice to have a bit of a push to really sort of go out and watch films, especially the films that we wouldn't necessarily have watched anyway, but even the films we have uh, wanted to watch, like Tenet and so on, it's been nice to be able to talk about those in, in detail and get, you know, your thoughts and, and our guest thoughts on that. And, yeah, obviously thanks to my guests as well for, for coming on. Of course, thank you so much for Bo and for Isaac, for... for... Um, Brandon and for Jürgen and for for uh, Scott uh, and for Johnny, all for coming on. Um, you know that, that's you know how those episodes come so much better. Uh, and, you know it always gives it a different vibe and different flavour. Um, you know, I say it's not always been easy because you know obviously on a obviously it is quite easy compared to most things but it's not been always been easy to watch the films I remember having to get up on a, an early morning to go watch Bill and Ted I could not be asked. you know watching, <laughs> watching Schemers watching Enola Holmes on Netflix you know those are things I really did not want to do and even Baby I could not be asked to go see a film obviously I'm happy I'm trying I to think, I'm trying to think of any films that I've like actively been like oh I don't want to watch that um, I think The Old Guard like- maybe ones I'd heard about kind of I mean no yeah, we, we went into The Old Guard kind of with expectations yeah. we watched that together didn't we how emotional. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, 
I guess I, I like motivation more than you, <laughs> you do. But um, no, I think I think I do. I'm trying to think of any films that I maybe American Pickle, <laughs> uh, Unhinged, The Hunt, maybe. Films yeah, those we uh, kind of had to put in there when they came out. Yeah, the Red Sun Cinema episode, which um, was one of my favourite episodes to record. Those five minute quick cuts, though, yeah. they were fun. But quite like to to go through and, and give a congratulations once again to Get Out for being our best picture, Hillbilly Elegy for being our worst picture, uh, Orson Welles for being our best director for, for Citizen Kane, Daniel Kaluuya for being our best actor for Get Out, uh, Eliza Scanlon for being the best actress for, Behavi- for Baby Teeth, J.K. Simmons for being the best actor in Whiplash, uh, for, for Maria Bakalova for being the best actress, a, support, a supporting actress for Borat's subsequent movie film, uh, Ben Forsman for his role as a cinematographer on St. Maud. Uh, Reginald Rose uh, for his screenplay on 12 Angry Men. Sean Connor for being a friend of the show. Tenet for having uh, Ludwig Göransson's uh, for having best score for, for Tenet. Uh, Women in Black for being the scariest horror film. Uh, Rose Island for being the best foreign language film. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street for having our biggest disagreement. Uh, Soul for being our best animated picture. Uh, uh, Rosamund Pike for having the LeBron Award for the best performance in an otherwise underwhelming movie, her, her role in Radioactive uh, for Borat 2 for being the funniest film and of course for Hillbilly Elegy for being the biggest disappointment and also we'll shove in Tom Cross for, for his editing on Whiplash so obviously uh, a variety of different films, uh, awards for, for different films some uh, films stacking up a few awards uh, Hillbilly Elegy for the wrong reasons, <laughs> Whiplash for the right reasons, Get Out for the right reasons. I've got a few nominations, uh, got a few wins. Um, but yeah, you know, thanks uh, to all the obviously not listening, but thanks to all the filmmakers for for, for, for making those films and the, the people, the actors and the, the cinematographers and the directors and and everyone for for making these great films. And and thanks to everyone listening and and getting this far into the podcast and and getting this far into to every podcast and giving a reason to to do this every week. Uh, it's been a fun. Uh, awards show and we'll obviously be doing further awards um for 2020 films uh coming up with the oscars and the golden globes and such um and our own thoughts on, on the oscars as well so we'll have different awards things coming up within the next few months uh, but i really enjoyed doing this i think it's been uh it's very difficult but it's quite fun yeah what do you think you're right, very very tough i just want to get just before, before we go are there any categories where you would strongly disagree with my choice, or at least have something that you would prefer to have won? Just, I mean, as, just as an aside, there are definitely ones that I wouldn't have picked. Right, so you know, you, you know, I think quite a lot of them I wouldn't have picked. Like I probably wouldn't have picked Get Out, or I probably wouldn't have picked Orson Welles. But you know, there is none that I strongly disagree with. My strongly, I, I'd say. You know, I think that you know you, you throw off House and Fall quite quickly, but I can get it understandable. It's just from a personal level. But there's certainly nothing that I strongly disagree with. For most of the part, I actually agree with your pick: actress, supporting actor, supporting actress. You know, but yeah, I would say that there is nothing that I strongly disagree with at all. Um, at all, perhaps. Okay. Um, yeah, no, there's nothing that I strongly disagree with. Well, cinematography. I think that's the one that maybe you might have disagreed with. I don't know. So Sophie was uh, Saint Maud. Saint Maud. No, I don't disagree with that one at all. Really. Okay. I would have gone for Blade Runner, um, but I think Saint Maud um, had beautiful cinematography. Um, yeah, I think Blade Runner for like set design and production design would have would have definitely won. But um, yes, cinematography yeah. Saint Maud. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I yeah, uh, I I could not be asked to do production design, costume design, and uh, visual effects. Yeah. But if I had, then they might have got some wins. But. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, overly very fun thing to do. And um, I don't know what we're going to do from here on, Jay. I don't know what we're going to do next week. Uh, we might do Pieces of a Woman, perhaps. Um, 
we might do uh, the next episode. One division might be our next episode. Oh, next episode. week. Oh no, it's not next week. Never mind. Ignore me. Yeah. So maybe one division. Uh, we're not exactly sure, um, but I think that about wraps it up. So now it's uh, time to to do the outro. So thank you very much for listening, everybody. And you can get you can find me, uh, Sam Houston, on Twitter. Uh, at Sam H Media, you can find me on Letterbox at Sam Houston. You can find JL on Letterboxd and Twitter uh, at by Jordan Luke. Um, you can contact the pod uh, by emailing uh, nowshowingpod at gmail.com. You can follow the pod's Twitter account at nowshowingfilm. Uh, and of course, uh, the best way to uh, get us, if you if you appreciate the podcast, the best way to show your appreciation is by uh, giving a five star review on iTunes that helps us go up in the rankings. Uh, this is a part of the the Now Showing podcast is a part of the Music City Driver Network, uh, who do some absolutely great stuff, uh, some really really high quality film podcasts um, and film articles uh, and movie uh, music podcasts and fa- uh, fantasy football podcasts, all on their website. You can check out their Twitter account for a variety of different film content and non film content. Uh, of course, they're going to have the whiskeys coming out soon. Uh, we've given our nominations for those and. We're going to be uh, perhaps going going on the live show. So so check them out. But yeah, thank you very much for listening, everyone. And we'll see you next time. Yeah, thanks for listening, guys. Bye.